Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Listen, I believe Joe and Megan are here this morning. Joe and Megan Lewin, are you here? Hey, would you guys, listen, we just want to honor you. We love you so much, and thank you for what you're doing over there. We're so proud to be with you and so proud to stand with you. You know, there was this line that, that Megan said in that video. She said, she said, because of Elevate, we don't have to turn anybody away. We don't. Man, that just messes with me. Like, I, I see those babies on that screen, and look, that's the reason we're doing what we're doing. You know, that's the reason we come in here. That's the reason we have heart for the house. That's the reason we have these initiatives. That's the reason we partner with the organizations that we partner with. And you know, there's one common theme that I see through all of these organizations, through Ways and through Mission Ahava and through the Pregnancy Center, all the, the different ministries that we support, and it's this, that they really shouldn't exist, right? They, they, they really shouldn't exist. They, they completely exist by faith. You know, Pastor Jeff was up here and he was talking about the way that we approach God and that we approach him by faith and in faith. And you know, these ministries... They operate completely by faith. You know, and so, so Megan and I, we actually came in here and we filmed one of those two. And, and, and you know, we filmed it and, and, we, had, and we were telling a couple of stories of, of just great things that, that had happened through the ministry. And I do that a lot, right? I get up here and I'll tell you about different kids that are, that are just thriving and, and that are succeeding. But see, a lot of times what happens is we see those pictures. We see the fulfillment of a promise with, with organizations like Waweza. But what we don't see is the faith that it took to trudge through all of those, all of those steps and all of those paths in order to get there. Right? See, that's what God does. He, he just shows us a very, a, a small glimpse of what, of what he's going to do in fulfilling his promise. What he doesn't show us is all the steps that it's going to take to get there. What he doesn't show us is the walk of faith that we have to commit to in order to get there. And the Bible compares it a lot of times. It compares that walk of faith. It, it, it compares it to giving birth, right? Because so, so when you're a couple and you find out that you're pregnant and you're about to have a baby, you're all excited, right? You see all these videos on Instagram where, where like the, the, the woman tells the guy in a, in a like really special way and, and it's exciting. And then they have this gender reveal, and right? But then you get to this point where, that baby's got to be birthed, right? Now, look, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere near that whole situation, but I'm going to tell you, it's the most frightening thing you're ever going to see, right? God bless all of you who are doing the, the home natural births now, because I'm just going to tell you, when our kids were born, if there weren't like a cadre of well-qualified professionals around me, I'd have just like, I, I don't know, I would have just like went on to heaven, right? Because there's this promise, right? When you, when you become pregnant, there's this promise of this birth, but then there's some steps that you're going to have to go through. And there's this really interesting story in the Bible. I love this season that we're coming up in. We're getting ready for Christmas. We just, you know, got through Thanksgiving. And you know what we do? We have this little tradition in my family where, where on, on Christmas morning, 
uh, before we open any presents, we get together and we read the Bible story, right? And, and we usually start at the part where the angel comes to Mary and tells her that she's going she's gonna to give birth to Jesus. But really, that story starts a little bit before that. It starts with this guy named John. He's actually the cousin of Jesus, or a lot of us know him as John the Baptist, right? And the Bible says that, that the angel comes to his parents because they were older in years and, 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 and they, they couldn't have a baby. But this angel comes to them and he gives them this promise. And this is going to be a true child of promise, right? This is going to be because, so, so now you have to think about this. There were like 430 years. Biblical scholars refer to this as, a, as the period of silence. There were 430 years that there's no record that God ever spoke to his people, right? So you have the end of the Old Testament, you have Malachi, and then up until this angel comes and announces the birth of John the Baptist, who's going to be a precursor to Jesus, there's 430 years. And so all of the people of Israel, they're, they're excited about this child of promise, right? They're excited. And, 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 and the angel says a couple of things to him. He says, number one, this, this child is going to pave the way for the one. He says, number two, this child is not going to be able to have any wine or alcoholic drink. And then, and then this child is actually, he's, he's going to pave the path for the Savior that all of Israel has been waiting for this entire time. Now, a lot of people ask me, they say, you know, how do you know the will of God in your life? right? I get that question a lot. And I love Pastor Jeff's answer to this. He says, in order to know the will of God in your life, you need to follow peace, right? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one that gives us peace. And so when we follow his ways, we automatically are going to follow in a path of peace. But I believe there are sometimes also that just like in this story, sometimes something just leaps in your spirit, right? So the, so, so the Bible says that when that same angel six month, months later went to Mary and told her that, that she was going to give birth to Jesus, that Mary actually traveled and visited uh, Elizabeth. She says that when she comes to her and when Elizabeth hears her voice, that the baby just leaps inside of her, right? Have you ever been somewhere and somebody's talking to you or somebody says something or Pastor Jeff's up here on the stage and he says something and something in your spirit just leaps, Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the steps between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. I remember one time when, when, when that happened to me, and I'm going to take you back in time for a second to 2004, okay? I want you to remember where you were in 2004. Some of you weren't born in 2004, right? But it was 2004, and I remember my pastor's wife at the time, she got up and she started talking about this dream that she had. And she said that God had given her a dream where we, as a ministry, were working with the street children in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know that there were street children in Sao Paulo, Brazil, right? But I remember when she said this, there was something in my spirit that just leaped. And I remember thinking, and Megan and I talked about this afterwards, I remember thinking, I'm going to be a part of that. Like, I have to be a part of that. Now, listen, when you have that, when you have that spirit leap within you, let me just tell you, that's not normal, Okay. Because it's not, it's not normal for people to, to want to go to a foreign country and give away everything that they have and go and serve uh, ch street children, okay? 
if you're called to be a pastor, I'm going to tell you that's not normal, right? Nobody else on the planet wants to do that. I've seen the things that Pastor Jeff goes through. Nobody wants to do that, right? So when God, when God puts that in you, when he puts that, 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 that something in you, pay attention to that voice, amen? You know, Elevate Church really shouldn't even be here. I remember talking to Jeff and I said, you know, one day I'm going to get you to write a book on how not to start a church, right? The absolute worst possible way to start a church because how, how not to do it is like this. You, you, you have, you, you leave a job where you have a nice salary and you go to a city where you don't know anybody and, and you decide, Hey, we're going to start a church right here. Right. But see, God gave him a promise. What we, so, so we come in here and we see all of this that's going on. And this is a great thing, right? We got a great thing going. But what we didn't see is the walk of faith that it took Pastor Jeff in order to get to this point. And so I remember my pastor's wife, she was talking about, she was talking about this ministry that we were going to do in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And it was about a year after that, Megan and I had been married for about two years at the time. And we were, we were getting rid of everything that we had because we were going to Sao Paulo, Brazil. We were going to minister to these kids and we were going to care for these kids. We were so excited about it. We were so passionate about it. I remember I was going to go down in November of 2005. So November is a really special time for me, right? Even, so that was 16 years ago, right? Think about where you were then. I'll tell you where I was. I was getting on a plane to go to Sao Paulo, Brazil for the very first time. And I remember that flight, it's like a 10-hour flight. So you get on at night, and, and, and you're going to wake up the next morning. You're going to be in Sao Paulo, okay? And I remember all night, like, I couldn't sleep because I was just filled with promise. Like, I was filled with excitement. I was just filled with, like, what we're going to do and what we're going to accomplish and the, the kids that we're going to help and the babies that we're going to rescue. And, like, I, I just I couldn't even sleep the whole night, right? And I remember we got there, or, or I got there. Megan wasn't with me yet. I got there to Brazil, and I get off the plane, and I'll tell you the very first memory I ever had of Brazil. I get off the plane. I walk into the airport, and I remember there was this banner. It's like like a like 30 or 40 foot banner. And it has this picture of this little girl on it. And it says in Portuguese, I'm not for sale. And I remember the gravity of what we were about to embark on, like really set in with me. Maybe it was a little abstract before that. Like maybe it was just kind of in my head, like this is going to be a Holy Spirit adventure and we're going to go there and like God's going to bless it and like everything's going to be good and everything's, you know, going to be just fine. But, but the, the, the seriousness of what we were about to do really kind of set in with me. And I remember the first two days, I'm going to tell you this story because sometimes I think it's important. So, so I said, you know, a lot of times I get up here and, you know, I talk about the, the success stories and the kids who are doing great. What you don't hear a lot and what I've never shared is some of the struggle and some of the fight and some of those birthing pains that we had to go through. So listen, the first two days we were supposed to do this. We were supposed to meet uh, with the uh, with the head of the organization who was down there. So the church that I was a part of was working with a foreign missions organization there on the ground. And they actually had all the documentation that we needed. And so it looked like this perfect marriage at first, right? It looked like we were just going to be able to join hands with them and we were going to be able to get right in there. And I remember the very first two days I was supposed to meet with the with the director of this organization. And I remember the first day I went in there and I started talking to her. And look, I'm, I'm, this kid, I'm, I'm in my mid-20s, right? 
and I'm just there, and I'm fired up, and I'm ready to go, and I hadn't slept on the plane the night before, right? So, so I get there, and I just want to get my head wrapped around this, this organization of, like, how many houses do we have, and how many kids are we supporting, and what does this thing look like, right? And so I start asking these questions, and she starts rattling off this list. Now, now listen, let me tell you something about this, this, this director. Um, she was super charismatic. She was, she, you ever meet somebody who just like anything they say, you're just kind of hanging on every word. Like, I mean, she could have just talked, she could have like talked about like peanut butter and jelly. And you're just like, yeah, like I'm all in for PB and J. Like that's what I'm giving my life to, you know, like, like that's how she was. She was just a super charismatic person. And she began talking about all of these things that the ministry had going. And she said, she said, Hey Ryan, here's the deal. She said, we've got like 35 safe houses and we support all of these kids in all of these different cities. And she began to tell me the things that were offered to this ministry. She said, uh, she said somebody gave us uh, a dental facility. So we're actually gonna be able to pro- provide free dental care for all the kids that we support. She said, oh yeah, we were granted a, uh, a television broadcast network. So we're going to have to come up with 24-7 Christian programming for, for, for the entire nation of Brazil, right? And I, like, I'm, I'm already starting to get overwhelmed. And then she just kind of casually like tops it off with this. She says, hey, we've got a meeting with Bono in two weeks. And she says, I know you speak English, so I'm going to need you to talk with Bono because you guys can, you know, talk about things there. And I'm, I'm the Bono? Like, Bono? And, and, and I remember I went, back, I went back to my hotel that night and I called my boss up and I said, hey, you know, what, what's, what's the deal here? Like, like, this woman's meeting with Bono? Like, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be? And, and, and I remember he said something. He said, look, God's given us a promise to work with these kids. But he said, not everything is like it looks down there. And it's going to be your job to figure it out, confront it, and deal with it. And I didn't exactly know what that meant until the next day. So the next day I come in for day two of these meetings, right, with this director. And I'll never forget this. She's the only one in there. And she's sitting at the table. And she's got her head down like this. And, and, and I, I don't know if she's like praying, like if she's in the spirit, like what? So I kind of, you know how you just kind of put your hand on them? Like, hey, is everything, you know, are you okay? And I remember she looks up and she's just bawling. She's sobbing. And she says, she says, do you want to know the true story of what's going on here? And I remember like I, literally this thought came in my head. I'm like, I don't think I do. And she begins to tell me, she says, this ministry is in absolute shambles. And she says, my husband uh, told me that he's gay and that we're living in a sham marriage. Um, Just, you know, we're, we're sticking with the marriage so that the churches who are involved don't pull their funding. She said, I've tried to kill myself 13 times. See, there's this step between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And that step is this big, long arena called a walk of faith, right? It's a commitment to a life of faith. See, when God gives you that dream and he just gives you, he, he, he gives you that vision. He gives you something to, to latch onto. He gives you something that you, he knows is just gonna fuel your spirit. But he only shows you a small portion. He only shows you exactly what you're gonna need. And you're gonna have to make the decision whether you're gonna commit 
to a life of faith or not. We ended up finding out that this ministry was involved in a national scandal, and you can Google this today. It's, it's, it's still a big deal in Brazil. And, and, and we found out that there was abuse going on in the homes. Uh, we found out that this family was basically using the funds that were coming into this ministry, I'll, I'll say, to, to fund a, a lifestyle of, of, of debauchery. And God had sent Megan and I to deal with this, right? And so I told her, this is, this is I'm, you know, we don't have time to go through the whole story, but I told her that we were going to end up separating from this ministry. We were, we were going to start the ministry over. And I told her we wanted to get, get, get her some help. We were going to pay her a severance package, and, but, but we needed to, to, to part ways. And from that point on, she made it her mission to destroy us, like to destroy Megan and I, to destroy the ministry. She accused me of laundering money to the federal police. I had to go and testify and, you know, before the federal police. And that was just the beginning. We, while we were down there, and, and, and some of you know a couple of these stories, we had a, we had a kidnapping threat that was on us. Uh, we were held at gunpoint one night. We were, uh, we were robbed and held at gunpoint. And, and, and this guy ends up taking me into this back room, and he tells me he's going he's gonna to kill me lots of times. Now, 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 look, through all of those things, God kept us. And he was 10 steps ahead of us. But I'm going to tell you, it was a lot. And it was a commitment to a life of faith. And I remember one night, this all kind of culminated. Megan and I were laying in bed, and we were just talking. And, and I remember I was so, like, overwhelmed, and I was, I was kind of frustrated with things. And I remember just thinking these thoughts in my, in my mind, like, I don't need this. Like, I had, a, I had a real good life. I was super comfortable in the United States. I had a real good job. And I've come here to, like, give everything, to give my family, to give my life for these kids who I hadn't ever met before. And I remember there were little like creature comforts that, that I missed, right? So I remember one, for, for whatever dumb reason, I don't even know why, because I don't even like football a whole lot. I don't even watch it a whole lot. But I remember I just wanted to watch a football game. Like, I just want to go to church on Sunday. I want to go eat some wings or something after that. And I want to lay on the couch and I want to watch a football game. I remember one that stuck in my head, and this is a dumb one too. I don't know. So if you're ever in this experience, like you're going to have little dumb things that you just miss. And I was like, I want to work on my lawn, right? Because there's no lawns anywhere in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Look, do you have that picture, one of those pictures of the city? Let me show you this picture real quick. So this is a picture of Sao Paulo. And when I was there, I went up on this, this building. Uh, it, there's a big terrace on the building. You can actually walk outside. You can look at the city in all four directions. Just kind of scroll through those four pictures real quick. So this is all four, all four directions of the city. Now, look, it's a little smoggy in there because there's a lot of pollution. But even on a clear night, you can look as far as the eye can see, and you can see buildings in every direction. It's just like this ocean of city, okay? Depending on where you look, you Google this, it's like somewhere between the fifth and the seventh largest city in the world. Dave, you remember, Dave actually had to, to, to drive down there, and that, that's a treat, right? So, and, and I remember when, when we came up there, now you can't see it real well in the picture, but there were these buildings there, and, and some of these buildings looked like the face of them was like off the building. 
almost like as if it were in a war zone or something. But it wasn't a war zone. Like they hadn't been bombed. It was just like the building hadn't been finished. And I remember I asked some guy, I said, what's up with all these buildings that, that haven't been finished? And he said, well, somebody, somebody will, you know, an investor will come in or something. They'll start building one of these buildings and then they run out of money. And so they just leave them. And what happens is like squatters will come into that building and, and, and they end up hooking up like makeshift water and they'll run electric like on their own. He said, he said hundreds of people die every year just trying to hook up electric in, in, in these kind of buildings. And, and it reminded me of this scripture, and I want to read this to you. It's in Luke chapter 14. And this is verse 27. This is Jesus talking, by the way. And he says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost, right? So he, so he starts out like this. He says, if you don't take up your cross, follow me, you can't be my disciple. He says, but don't even start until you count the cost. He says, for who who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, will he send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy's still far away? So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Now, listen, we just came out of this grace series. And man, I loved the Grace series, right? If you want to start pressing Ryan's buttons, like just call me up one day and be like, hey, tell me what the Bible says about grace and righteousness, right? I'm going to be able to talk to you for like 10 days straight about grace and righteousness. I love it. And you know what? We would just stay there. Pastor Jeff would stay right there if the Bible said in the Great Commission, go into all the world and make good church people right? Make good church attenders. Make good moral people. We could stay on subjects just like that. You know what it says? It says, go into all the world and make disciples. And Jesus is saying right here, he says, you can't become my disciple without first giving up everything you own. So listen, I know it's real easy for us in 2021 to pick and choose the parts that we want of the Bible. Listen, it's really, I, I'm, I'm the worst for it, right? I grab this verse and I, I hang on to it and that's my verse for the day. But listen, you got to have the whole thing in context. And I'm going to tell you, if you have parts, he, he, he said it from the beginning. From, from the law of Moses, he said, he said, look, don't have any other God before me. If there's anything before him in your life, I'm telling you right now, it's out of order. Your priorities are out of order. And so I'm laying there in that bed. And I'd love to tell you that I was just full of faith and like, you know, gritted up and like, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. But I, I'm going to be honest. There was a part of me that just wanted to bail. Can I be real for a second? There was a part of me that just wanted to get out of there. Like the situation got tough. And it was hard to deal with, and it was complicated, and I didn't know all the answers. And there was a part of me that just wanted to get back on the first flight back to the United States and get back where I felt safe and comfortable 
and nothing was being required of me. And I knew everything. I knew how to do my job and, 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 and everything was nice and smooth. But see, living a life of faith is going to require you to choose. It's going to require you to do something. It's going to require you to apologize when you don't want to apologize. It's going to require you to serve others when you don't want to serve others. It's going to require you to give when you don't want to give. You know, Pastor Jeff's in this Heart for the House series. And I love this, by the way. It's, you know, for all of the initiatives coming up in 22. And he was talking about a couple of the things that, that he's challenged us to do, right? And one of those, we're going to come together next week. We're going to give our, our, our best offering, right? And then one of those, we can sponsor these chairs, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a part of the building project for, for $111 a month. But you know the one that got me? And, and if you look on the website, this is on the website. They don't, I didn't ask them to put a picture of it up or anything. But it says, if you're not a regular giver, if you're not a, if you're not a tither, tithe, right? This is the one area that, that God said to prove him, that God said to test him. This is the one promise in the Bible that God said, you know what, you can, you can step out on faith, you can prove me, and I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't even contain. You know, in church leadership circles, there's this principle called, uh, called the 20% rule. And it basically says this, you, you know what this is. It says that 20% of the attenders are gonna pay all the bills and they're gonna do all the work. I declare in Jesus' name, that is never going to be us. That is never going to be Elevate Church. I'm so thankful that I belong to a body of believers, that I belong to a body of givers, that I belong to a body of people who serve one another and who serve their community. You know, Pastor Jeff was up here on this stage last week, and he, he was talking, and he said this phrase, and for whatever reason, this just stuck in my mind. He said, he said we were called to wreck a city. What does that look like, to wreck a city? You know what? You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to take ownership over this thing. You know, I believe that we're supposed to start praying over the hospitals in this area and praying that they be blessed. I believe that we're supposed to start praying over our local leaders. I believe that the businesses in this area are going to be blessed just because there's a body of spirit-filled believers in their in their network in their area. See, God has called us to live this life of faith. Can I give you a kingdom perspective for just a minute? See, it's so easy to get wrapped up in what we do and to get wrapped up in our lives. And I read this statistic the other day, and this, this really just kind of hit me in a, in a crazy way. He said, two-thirds of the world is persecuted for their faith in Christ. Can you let that sink in for a second? Two-thirds of the world is somehow persecuted for their faith in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I had a good breakfast before I came here. And I, I, I drove here in a car and it had, I had heat like blowing on me, right? And, and I come into this building and it's this nice, comfortable building and I sit in a nice, comfortable chair and there are these lights and musicians. And, and look, I love all of this. But when you put in perspective that two-thirds of the world is persecuted for their faith. This is what the body, our body is going through. This, this was one that I read. It said, before you lay your head on your pillow tonight, 13 people today will have been abducted just because of their faith in Christ. 13 people disappeared. 
they paid a, a cost of everything for their faith in Jesus Christ. This year, 5,000 Christians will lose their life because they profess the name of Jesus. Because they committed a crime that you and I are committing in, in this room this morning. And so when we moved to Brazil, I had people ask me, you know, why don't you focus on kids here in the States, right? Which is a super legitimate question. I, I, I understand that because there are plenty of kids here in the States that need help. But listen, we did a little research when we first went down there. And the numbers at that time said that there were up to 8 million street kids in Brazil. Okay, so I want to put that in perspective for you just for a second. Okay, for, first of all, these numbers are a little fuzzy. Uh, it's, it's easier to get information on stray dogs and cats than it is for information, Megan, am I telling the truth? Than it is to get information on street children. They said up to 8 million street kids in Brazil. Now listen, that's like the entire population of New York City. Kids either living or spending the majority of their time on the street in Brazil. And what was happening is the, the juvenile, what we, we would call like a juvenile detention center, the JDCs, they were so, they were so overfilled that the kids who were going there, didn't matter what they did, they would only be there a maximum of a couple months. Like even if they like murdered someone, right? That a lot of times they were going in and then a couple of months later, they would be right back out on the street. And so what's happening is, is these drug lords would come and they'd get these kids and they'd hire these kids to go and do their dirty work, right? And these kids would go to prison for a couple of months and then they'd be back out on the street. And the police force got tired of messing with these kids, of confronting kids uh, in, in, in the street with assault rifles and, and, and having battles and wars with these guys. And so what they would do is they would go around at night and they would find where these kids were sleeping and they started eradicating these kids. All right, you can look this up. So in the late 90s, between 96 to 99, there were over 3,000 kids murdered in Rio de Janeiro alone. And most of those were attributed to off-duty police officers. They called them death squads at the time. And this gained international attention. And, and you know, this, but, but this is one of the reasons. So, so these kids, these kids were in a different situation than anything we had here, right? Those kids in Cambodia and Thailand that we take care of, listen, they weren't just sold into trafficking. Some of these kids were sold into trafficking by their family. Some of these were sold into trafficking by the very people who were placed on this earth to protect them, right? And so we had to have a commitment to this life of faith. And you want to know the payoff? I'm going to tell you one story, okay? Will you put that picture up of Fernando? So this is Fernando. He's a beautiful young boy. Meg, was he like eight or nine when we got there? Okay, so he was eight or nine maybe when we arrived, but this kid had been in an orphanage his entire life, all right? So he was born uh, with meningitis, so, so his, his legs actually curve, what was it? Okay, he got it a few months after he was born, but his legs actually curve in a little bit, um, and so he never grew to his full height. He, today, he probably stands about this tall. And he was actually in a, involved in a fire in the little area where he lived when he was a baby. And we, we never did know the full story because we could never find his family. But you know what? Jesus loved Fernando. And Jesus showed Fernando how much he loved him. You can scroll through a couple of those pictures if you want. This is, this is when we first got there. We, we weren't there very long. And I remember Megan latched onto this kid 
And she started teaching him. She, she picked up that he had a voice to sing, right? And she started working with him on his little voice. And, and he started playing guitar and, 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 and he learned to, he, he learned music. And you know what? Eventually he starts playing in his, playing in his church worship band. He starts leading worship for his youth group. And you know, today, Fernando's married. He has a, he has a great job. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. This is the payoff. And you know what? I've got a hundred stories like this. I know Joe and Megan, they've got a hundred stories like this of kids whose lives will never, ever, ever be anything similar to what they would have looked like had Jesus not stepped in and intervened. You know, things were going really well down there. And just when things were firing like, like they should have been, I remember the church, the church that we were a part of that at the time was banking this whole thing. They came to us and they said, they said, look, the exchange rate's gone against us and it's become really expensive and really difficult to do business down there. You're going to have to go down. You're, you're going to have to close this thing down. And I remember we fought against that for a while. Like we, we tried to just have conversations with them and, and we saw that it wasn't going anywhere, that we were going to have to close this. And so we got down there and we were praying together with the staff and we were praying, we were fasting together. We were believing that God was going to come in and, and, and provide this miracle. And can I tell you for a second, can I dispel a myth for a second that in order to have faith, in order to, to lead a walk, live a life of faith, that you can't have any doubt. See, what I would do is I would get so worked up in my mind about, well, am I going to doubt or not? Or am I going to have enough faith that instead of my faith being in Jesus, my faith actually is in my faith, right? Have you ever been there where you're actually so concerned about like, are you believing? Look, Jesus says, just come to me. He just says, come to me and bring all your issues and bring all your problems, bring all your worries, bring everything that you're, that you're dealing with. See, there are going to be times that you doubt and you have, a, have questions because, because we serve, just like Pastor Jeff said when he was up here, we serve a God that we can't see. See, I heard Pastor Stephen Furtick talking about this one time. And he said, he said that he was at a prayer breakfast and, and this pastor was talking and, and he, he made this comment. He was making a larger point, but he said, you know, we know that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And I remember Pastor Furtick, he said, wait, wait, wait a second. We don't know that. Like, you weren't there. We believe that, right? We believe that by faith. So much so that you and I are gathered here this morning to worship and profess the name of Jesus Christ. So much so that we surrender our lives and our will to a God that we've never seen. See, that's what faith is. Thomas, Thomas was there and he felt those holes in his hand. And Jesus said, hey, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But he said, blessed are the ones who have never seen and still believe. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about us. There's a commanded blessing in living a life of faith. There's a commanded blessing in walking that out. And even when we have doubts, if we come to Jesus, you know, John, the, the, the guy we're talking about, the apostle John, the, 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 John the Baptist, he, he sends his disciples to Jesus now, his neck's on the line at this point, right? And you guys know the story. I don't need to go through all of this. But, but, but he, everything's on the line at this point. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, Jesus, are you the one we're waiting for? Or is there another? 
Should we be waiting for somebody else? Now, this is the guy who was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Jesus called him the greatest man who was ever born. This is the guy who has preached this message his entire life. And now he's at this point and he sends his disciples and he says, are you really the one we're waiting for? Or is there somebody else? And Jesus says these words. He said, you go and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. And then he goes on. He says, he says, what did you go to see? A reed shaken in the wind? See, John lived a life of faith. And so here we are in this situation, and we're about to close this thing. It was a Friday. We were going to turn in our final paperwork to transfer all the kids. And that Wednesday, this politician, who we don't know, you remember, has this conversation with a pastor like two years prior and calls us up on the Wednesday, two days before we're supposed to turn in our final paperwork. And she says, look, don't do anything. We're going to help. We're going to step in. We're going to help you fund this, this entire project. That happened three times. Look, I don't, I don't have time to get into all three of the stories. That happened three three. One time, I don't know if you know who it is, Terry Musin on the 700 Club, she's on TV all the time, ends up calling Megan's cell phone. That happened three different times. That, that we are at a Red Sea moment. There's no possible path forward. There's no possible way forward. And at the very last second, he's, he's on time, right? He comes in and he opens up the waters and we walk through on dry ground. It's living a life of faith, Amen. You know, God used those situations. What we thought was going to be our ruin. He says in Romans 8, 1, he says, all things work together for good to the ones who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Do you love him this morning? Are you called according to his purpose? Then everything you're going through has got to work out. The Bible says for your good. God used that situation and he used that, that in with that politician and we ended up opening other projects down there. We ended up opening three community centers so we could rescue more kids. We ended up opening a tech school so that we could send all of our kids to, to get a, a quality education so that they could have an, a, a, an upper hand in the job market, which is difficult to do in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Exactly what we thought was going to be our ruin, God turned it around and he used it for good. Listen, I believe that there are people in this room who were called to crazy things. And maybe you know what I'm talking about right now. And maybe God's spoken some things to you. Maybe he's put some things in your heart. Maybe he's put some things in you that maybe you've forgotten about. My prayer this morning is that God spark those things and he bring them back to life. Amen. I'm going to read one more scripture. Would you stand with me?